Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle, creator of the Teenage Personality Quiz. Head to TalkingToTeens.com for a free PDF explaining how your teenager thinks. We are here today with Christine Coe. She is the author of the book Minimalist Parenting, the founder of Boston Mamas, and the designer behind Posh Peacock. She also is a strategist for Women Online, and she wrote this book, and she also hosts now a podcast called the Edit Your Life Podcast. Really excited to talk to her today about uh, about strategies from her book, Minimalist Parenting. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about it all with us today. I just think a great place to start is how I found out about you was from your book, Minimalist Parenting, Enjoy Modern Family Life More by Doing Less. And um, I thought it was just such a, an interesting concept for a parenting book to take like kind of the minimalist approach to parenting. And so I was really curious, what was it, you know, that kind of propelled you into saying, hey, we need a book on minimalist parenting? Well, so like many things, um, I get ideas on airplanes. And um, I had been at a conference where I had been talking about this kind of do less approach to life. And, you know, let's be honest, I'm somebody who does a lot. You know, right now I, <laughs> I have five businesses I touch every day. I love projects. I love doing things. Whoa. I know it's a lot. It's pretty extra. So to back up, I used to be a music and brain neuroscientist. I left academia in 2007. Um, and I had started my blog, Boston Mamas, in 2006. Um, because I kind of felt like there was a hole in the sort of lifestyle editorial space in Boston. And I'd had a lot of moments in parenting where I just felt like, why is this so hard? Why is there so much pressure? Why are there so many shoulds? And anytime I sort of wrote about something related to that, I would get almost all of these like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling that too. These kind of whispers from other people feeling like also questioning, right? And so, you know, I had met Asha Dornfest, my co-author, and who she's also my uh, podcast co-host. And we had met and we have sort of similar philosophy, philosophies. And she had done the same thing, like, she, or was experiencing the same thing, where anytime she talked about kind of like, you know, marching to the beat of your own drummer as a parent and like really standing up for the values that you believe in, people would respond to it. And so I said, let's write this book together. I have it. I bought the domain already. <laughs> let's just do it. <laughs> Values is like kind of one of the cornerstones of what we teach here at Talking to Teens. And I think it's one of just like the most 
like important ways that you can actually influence a teenager uh, because you know once once they get to the teenage years it gets hard to you know influence kind of their their smaller daily activities but maybe you know there is kind of an opportunity to kind of uh, impart some values and hopefully you've been already imparting values um, but but so uh, I, I like this kind of discussion that you have in here about kind of um, kind of breaking down your values and kind of getting in touch with those a little more. Could you talk about kind of how you developed this uh, and why it's like so upfront? I mean, page three of your book here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I just want to give a moment to say that I, I completely feel for parental overwhelm. And even the idea, like when somebody says, oh, just, you know, just tune into your values. I mean, that can be a little intimidating. <laughs> um, and, and I think one, just because it's kind of like big. And then two, because when there is so much noise about what your values should be or what you should be caring about, it's really challenging, right? So, you know, the reason that Asha and I are so keyed into values, um, you know, as, as you are, is it's just with any family system, you know, you have to have this foundation on which to stack all of these details and all of these things. And so, you know, that foundation will be a lot stronger if you can just figure out even at a baseline, like where you're at. So I'll just give you like a quick example, because that sounds very abstract, but, you know, right now like the parenting culture and certainly for teenagers especially with like the idea of college pressure and being evaluated and all that is to just like do more activities sign up for all the things do all the things like you know at the risk of like the whole system breaking down and for some families that is perfectly fine they love being busy they like being on the go maybe they don't like being at home that much whatever but i have seen personally for our family too but for lots of families there, some people and some kids need a ton of downtime and cannot function. They can't do their homework. They can't do other things if they're just too saturated and like with people and activities and things. And so if you are in that boat and you identify that um, quiet space, sleep, that those are like key part of your value system and part of what's really important to you to function as a human being, like everything is kind of sitting on top of that stuff. So you know, that's why we're so into that. And it's hard to like resist. I'll, I'll say very clearly, it's, it's hard to say, to put your stake in the ground and say, no, we're going to just do one activity a season when everybody else around you is running from thing to thing to thing, you know? Sure. Says the woman who runs how, how many five companies? Uh, now? I, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that's, that's, for me, having different projects like and being like in this sort of dynamic workspace, that is something I love. So that works for me. But like for my husband, that is a nightmare for him. Like he is not into that. So, you know, we have to be really clear on that and and how how I can stop at the end of the day and just be present. And actually, that is something I've worked on a lot um, and our family system works a lot better. Also, it's like strikes me that there's a value of kind of knowing yourself and that, you know, you could foster a family value of the of the importance of um, being true to yourself and, um, and 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 the importance of that, like uh, especially with teenagers, because I think that's the time of your life when you're really kind of 
trying to figure out who the heck am I and what do I want to stand for and uh, you know knowing uh, knowing that you come from a household where it's okay um, to be either way and you're it, 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 you're gonna be accepted I think is is huge So can you talk about the more and less list and why why would you create one of these as a parent and what would be the benefits of doing that and how the heck would you do it? I love the more or less list. I have to give Asha credit for that. That is that is her, but um, it's so simple. And so uh, a couple things. One, the more and less list is just as simple as it sounds. It is literally like whether you're doing it on a scrap of paper, in a journal, or in a Google Doc, like make two columns, you know, just draw a line down the center and on one side is more and on the other side is less. And the idea is to okay, really, can you can handle that. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, but the idea is to just really just be free with your thoughts, turn off the inner critic. Nobody has to see this list except for you and to jot down like what you want more of in life and what you want less. I mean, for a lot of people, it's less running around. It's less stress. It's, um, you know, more fun, more travel, more time to myself, any of those things, because, um, you know, and turning off the inner critic is a really big part of this and, and not um, think overthinking it too much because the idea is to just get down those thoughts because once you have those down on paper, then the next step would be, okay, how do we figure out, and this is, you know, the big part of like minimalist parenting is how do we figure out how to edit your life? And that's actually our podcast name now um, in order mm. to get rid of the, some of that stuff that's unnecessary that you really can get rid of on that less list. And then how do you carve out instead the room, you know, for the good stuff, the stuff you want more of? Yeah, it strikes me that that's kind of, you know, the, the idea that the name minimalist parenting is almost a little misleading because the whole reason, you know, to strip out the unnecessary stuff from your life is to make room for what is really important to you and to kind of, I guess, get down to the essence um, of uh, of what you want to be doing with your time. And so uh, it's just like the more and less list is like just such a visual, like, um, easy way to kind of see, yeah, like you say, what kind of edits you want to start making to your life. And then you can start kind of planning that out. Yeah. And the interesting thing, and I, I'm glad you brought that up about the the title, because it's funny, a lot of the times we start out when we're telling people about minimalist, minimalist parenting, we start out with what it's not. So we're kind of like, yeah, so it's not like we, you know, we love toilet paper. It's not like we hate stuff. It, it's <laughs> like, you know, uh, but the point is to identify wherever your level of crazy is and then find ways to take it down a notch, you know, or two or 12. The other thing that I love about the more or less list and just, you know, kind of list making and, and thinking about what lights you up and what's dragging you down in general is that sometimes, and I experienced this just last summer when I was struggling with some stuff, sometimes that exercise helps you realize that the stuff that you want more of is right in reach. You know, it's right, it's actually right there. And um, so part of it is like, oh, I just need to devote a little more intention to this or, oh, I'm actually 
doing that thing already. And, you know, life is actually okay. And it's not as big a dumpster fire as I thought. So I think that's part of the exercise that I really love. And, um, you know, it, it, I think it can be a little comforting to people to realize that, you know, if they, they can make change and they have the power to do that. Yeah, there's like research that I really like that shows uh, when you t like when you feel that you're kind of already part of the way there, you're much more likely to take action. Like when you give someone, uh, you know, those little punch cards, mm -hmm. like when you get mm -hmm. your 10th coffee is free. And so if you give someone one of those and there's just 10 and none of them are punched, um, you know, versus if you give someone and there's 12 and you punch the first two for them, they're more likely to fill up the card when you give them the 12 and you punch the first two because they feel like, hey, uh, I'm already on my way a little bit. And uh, even though it's still the exact same thing, you still have to get 10, uh, 10 copies in order to get a free one or whatever the deal is. But it kind of strikes me that the more or less list is kind of having that same effect, like you say, because it's just like, hey, I'm already kind of doing these things. I just want to, like, what do I just want to do more of and what do I just want to do a little bit less of? And it's kind of less overwhelming than being like, oh, I need to just overhaul everything, you know? Um, oh, you're already, yeah. You're already doing it. You already started, you know? Let's just... Yeah, for sure. We talk about, you know, we frame it in terms of baby steps all the time, taking those little steps because it is overwhelming and it's just, you know, it can't just put like overhaul my life or like, you know, if <laughs> making the task too big or like, even if it's like clean the playroom, you got to start small and break it down because you're more likely to tackle it if you can tackle the little steps and feel like you're actually making progress. I love the punch card. I'm going to like envision that because that's like such a, it's such a good example. Yeah. I just feel that, you know, and I, I feel that way in my life a lot. Like, oh man, if I can just kind of in my head somehow convince myself that I've started, you know, create the word document and just mm -hmm. like, even if it's blank, save it somewhere or have it open on my face. Like, okay, I've started this project. It's like a subtle kind of like little uh, Jedi mind trick a little bit, but it may, for me, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm on my way. Okay, so um, another part of the book that I really connected with was when you kind of talk about nostalgia and because, you know, having a family uh, is like just becomes like a black hole of stuff and like you, right? <laughs> it it's does. like every year there's like more and more stuff and it's so like... Uh, it's all priceless and one of a kind. And how do you like choose what to get rid of and what to keep? And it, you know, you don't want to feel you feel like uh, a bad person almost. Some sometimes getting rid of certain things like, well, I can't get rid of this. It's like so. Oh wow, that thing. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, so, but but you guys have some really cool tips in here. Um, and so I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how you. Um, how you avoid the uh, nostalgia stall out. Yeah, the stall out is real. And, you know, it is a long time thing because I was just, I, or like across the ages, I was just talking yesterday to a friend and we were kind of commiserating about the challenge of moving like your parents, like if your parents are moving. And I was telling this person that I had to help my in-laws move, but I literally uttered the words, you don't need this rusty can of rusty nails that's also filled with mouse poop. Like it's like <laughs> it's time to just let it go, you know. You, <laughs> um, you know, but with kids, it's it's uh, with, with 
kids stuff, I think there are a couple challenges. There's like the level of parent nostalgia about whatever the thing is in question. As you said, like everything feels like a masterpiece. I think then there's also the layer of like what kind of kid you have. And it's going to be more or less challenging depending on that. So like, for example, I have two daughters. Uh, my older daughter has always been very nostalgic and like, even if it's a thing that she hasn't been using, she attaches meaning to it based on the person who gave it to her, right? So I'll say, okay, I think it's time to get rid of this because you have not used it ever. And she'll say, but so-and-so gave it to me, you know, and that has meaning. And what if she asked me about it? I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't think that's going to happen. But whereas like, <laughs> whereas my other kid will do a cabinet clean out or something and she'll be like, yeah, get rid of that. Get rid of that. She doesn't care. She just doesn't care as much. So I think, you know, there are a few like tactics one could take, I think, um, that have been helpful. I think, um, in the book, Asha describes like the idea of like having sort of a quarantine. I don't think she, she calls it quarantine, but like putting stuff in a bag or a bin, stowing it somewhere. And if nobody has mentioned it or asked for it in like six months or something, there's some statute of limitations that then you can get rid of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I have found, um, I think limiting space is also crucial. So, you know, like the endless artwork that comes home from school, each of my kids has one large cardboard box in the basement, which holds many, many years of things. But my thing is basically like, okay, if you fill up this box, um, then you got to get rid of something from the box. Like <laughs> this is all the space you get. And that has worked shockingly well. Um, and then I actually am a fan of decluttering some of that stuff with your kids, um, because then it avoids the, you threw it out and you didn't tell me situation, which is real. If you have kids that have elephant memories. Um, and also because with my kids, I've used it as a way to sort of, um, to kind of pay it forward and think about other kids. So it'll be like in framing it in terms of donation, like, let's get rid of these, you know, these games or these puzzles or whatever. There are other kids that we could donate it to and then they could have fun. And when you frame it, like it, it's also teaching the values of empathy, sort of looping back to that um, and, you know, opening up space so that, and so we tend to also do this before the holidays and before the birthday, you know, a birthday, those are good landmarks to kind of make room and make space since they know there's probably other stuff coming in. And that I think can make it a little easier for kids too. Cause I, it is hard. Like it's hard for them to let go of stuff. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, it's hard for anybody. You know, they say, uh, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. And I feel like it, it sometimes, uh, you know, an item does just like remind you of the time or the thing or the great memory or whatever it was and getting rid of it or throwing it away makes you feel like you're kind of like, getting rid of a piece of that or you're gonna like lose kind of part of that like warm fuzzy feeling or something like that but um i love the idea of limiting the space and you could do that for uh you know all, all kinds of different categories of things my dad always used to say uh it's like what they teach you in chemistry the properties of a gas is like it expands to fill the size of whatever container oh, yes. you put it in <laughs> like, yes I, I feel that way with stuff, you know, that like however much space you allow it to fill, it just kind of magically seems to just it like keeps expand growing. to fill the container, you know, <laughs> so. I know. Um, I mean, that's, we're so like, I'm so anti-upsizing, you know, that's like, that's America, right? Let's upsize it. But I mean, I just feel like 
the bigger your house, the more space you have, the more storage you build, all this stuff, you're just going to fill it up. So, you know, I, even with my kids, actually, it's interesting. Um, you know, if you walk into my home, uh, and it's mostly cause I, I really clutter makes me super anxious and we don't have like a perfectly tidy home or anything, but if you walk in, you actually won't see toys all over the place because, um, we have one corner bench cabinet in the living area where toys go in. And then each of my girls has like a cabinet. It looks like a sideboard, but it's like a big sort of dining room cabinet. Um, and they each have their own cabinet. And if they fill it up, then they got to empty, empty stuff out of it. And that's it. Like, and it works shockingly well. It's just, you know, we've never expanded to make more room because it just more junk accumulates that way. have a chapter that I found really interesting in here about money management and how to teach kids about money management and I was really interested to uh, to get your take on this especially um, specifically for teenagers oh yeah yeah I'm big into money management well actually and I'm not I'm not particularly a savvy like you know I don't consider myself you know one of these people who knows all about investments or whatever but I just mean at a basic level that one of the craziest things to me is that kids and teens do not get financial literacy, like education in school. Like I find that to be the most banana thing in the world. Zero. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. So my sort of, um, you know, top line recommendation just for any, any parents, um, is that I think have kids do chores, not for money but just because they're part of a family system. That's a question I get a lot. Of, a lot. Um, two, I think it's really important to um, give them an allowance, which is actually money for them to experiment with. Because, you know, when you're, so, you know, you go into Target, your kid asks you for a million things, right? Like this is what happens to all of us. And it is much easier and they will be, prime to make decisions and think things through and experiment and maybe have something break. If you say, yeah, you could use your allowance for that. How much do you have in your allowance? Right. <laughs> so, um, giving them the chance to actually experiment and some kids, if you've got like a super, you know, like my older one is very like, I will put 30% in the college account and I will put 30% in this, you know, some, you might have a kid like that. You might not. So, it just gives them a chance to experiment and potentially fail with their money too and have something that doesn't work out and that's fine. And then the third one, which is particularly relevant for teens is to make them work. We are here with Christine Co. talking about her book, Minimalist Parenting. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up on the second half of the show. I hear from a lot of parents who are like, I don't want chores or employment or whatever to get in the way of extracurriculars and what have you, but it's something that they need to do and they need to figure out because they, that's the only way they're going to really figure out what money means. You know, every day the goal is to do one thing for your brain, one thing for your body and one thing for the house. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is so valuable. And I will say that it can lead to like so many interesting conversations. Like when she got her first paycheck and she was like, 
wait, what are these taxes and all this stuff? So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So, um, which, which is great because, you know, I mean, it does lead to bigger conversations about how, how all this operates and, and, you know, money and everything. So it, it really is great and it's better for them to learn sort of the nuts and bolts of like going and getting a job and gaining some confidence, like when they're in, when they're teenagers, than when they're like 20 something and they're supposed to do it for real, you know, <laughs> like full time. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.